Covenant Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael. Listeners, we're going to be political for the next few sessions. I so, can't wait. It's oh. going to be awesome. <laughs> so here's our question for today. How should a candidate's moral character weigh into my vote? Really? Yes. <laughs> and with the two candidates we have, I think this is an appropriate question. What's funny is at the date of recording, it's October 12th. The second presidential debate has just happened. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump Trump, Donald Trump <laughs> has dropped uh, his Billy Bush bomb of inappropriate comments, yes. to say the least. Hillary Clinton is still Hillary Clinton with all of the accusations and concerns surrounding her. When this airs, only God knows what is going to happen between October 12th today um, and the actual today of the day when our audience hears this. So here with a little grain of salt, um, I think probably the majority of America and the world is hoping for some third party alternate (laughs) (laughs) to save us from this impending doom. The the Uh, person who asked the question goes on and they say, many Christians seem to be approaching the upcoming election with a quote, lesser of two evils end quote mentality. More specifically, I'm having trouble with the idea of supporting either major nominee, but culturally abstaining from voting is seen as quote, not doing your duty end quote and voting independent is seen as a waste of a vote. mm -hmm. What is the biblical approach to this situation okay and i think the listener has voiced this very well oh yeah and this is where the majority of the people that i talk to about the upcoming presidential election this is exactly where they're at yes so something to just to identify is that this is a moral conundrum that historically nobody's really ever had to worry about until the last couple hundred years i mean democracy as we understand it in america we'll just say the freedom to vote for elected representatives who serve term limits is new to world history. That's correct. So the fact that we even have this moral quandary is awesome. Like it, we, it is. Yeah. I mean, we got to step back for a moment and say, this really is the most unique experiment, we'll say nationally. It really is amazing to see how much freedom we have. But on the other hand, inevitably, when unchecked institutions go long enough, moral decay creeps in and the national moral decay um, has gotten to the place where it has, where we legitimately voted in Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Two people who, I don't care how much Hillary or Donald try to advocate for their morals, we know objectively that these two people are not like, neither of them can take the moral high ground. And I don't mean any offense to anybody. I mean offense to everybody. You can defend their character all you want, but there is no defense of either of their character. And so as I say that, you know, if you're a pro-Donald guy, you're going to be like, and if you're going to be a pro-Hillary person, you're going to be, you're a bigot and everything else. And that's fine. I don't care. But I'm just saying history tells us that we're dealing with two fairly corrupt people who use people for their own ends. That being said, there's another big challenge here, which is we are given as Americans the PR illusion of our previous presidents and presidential candidates that they're better people than they actually are. When what we know historically- That's not true. That the majority of presidents have some 
enormous character issues. Yeah. But they've got these PR machines that mm-hmm. are filtering. So we live in this fairy tale illusion that our presidents have been honorable men with honorable intentions. And yes, I'm sure there are one or two or three. But by and large, when you go through the history of our yep. presidents, they, their character is heavily flawed. Mm-hmm. So there's a misnomer in the church world that I just want to call out here. And by the way, I have so many thoughts. So I'm on <laughs> yeah, three shots long, of espresso yeah, this could be and a two long cups podcast, of coffee. For sure. So I'm just going to talk. When you need to interrupt, you can go for it. But we live in this world as Christians where we say the following, and in church, it's true, mm. that if you don't have character, you cannot lead well. Or that a man or woman's character will inevitably disqualify them from effective leadership. And I want to just make this clear. Some of the greatest presidents have had horrendous character. I agree. But they have led with excellence. They've led very well. Right. And we could go down the line over and over and over again. Sure. I'm not saying that. So now the, the Hillary again, people we're are- We're think- talking about the difference between government, government and, and church. Government and church. Very different. different. Now, if you lack character in church, you will never you lead well. You should be disqualified. You should be disqualified and let go. Now, that being said, Hillary's supporters are right now going to hear me as trying to make a defense for Donald Trump. And I am not um, uh, yeah. in any way, shape or form. I'm actually, what I'm trying to say for both of these candidates is that they lack character that is proven, but this isn't a new issue. The only difference is their PR machines haven't been able to cover, cover up it the up. scope and depth right. of their personal and public immorality. So I just want to put that out there. Like we need to understand that number one, we live in an amazing country that even Mm -hmm. has brought us to this point where we can have these kind of expressions. This is unique in human history. But number two, don't be deceived. This is not the first election where we're dealing with two corrupt people running for president. It's probably like, I don't know, the 50th, right? So let's be clear. I don't even know how many presidents we've had. How many? Barack is like number (laughs) 44. Yeah. Yeah, So anyways, I'm an idiot. But um. My point in in all this is to kind of just maybe put this in a different light because now we know things we previously didn't know. Mm. And you can't unknow what you now know. Right. And now you're accountable for what you know. So we're accountable. If I vote for Hillary Clinton, I'm accountable now that I am voting somebody into office who's going to have Supreme Court justices that are going to do certain things. I'm accountable for her moral character that she's used the nation to make hundreds of millions of dollars, um, that there is a wake of dead bodies who associate themselves with the Clintons. There are all of this moral struggle around this woman. And at the same Same time, time. if I go down Donald Trump, I'm going for a megalomaniac, a narcissist who uses women, who's a womanizer, who is just morally corrupt and bankrupt on almost every imaginable level. And the both of them will say they're sorry when they get caught, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really change the inner person. And so I'm looking at both of these people and I'm just like, really? For real? And sadly, these are the two candidates that have reached the the ticket because we voted for them and put them in this position of now being on the ticket for the president position. And benefit of the doubt to America, okay? You can only vote for the people that you're aware of. And honestly, what is it, like 10 to 15% of America actually votes in primaries? And so like a microcosm of America has put these two options in front of us. And uh, I kind of just wish their vice presidents would run at this thing. Like I (laughs) wish it was Kane and Pence. Like that would make me just feel a lot better about what's going on. And I think that's like the sentiment of most of America. Most Americans feel this way. I'd rather be dealing with two men that are pretty straight shooters and have a pretty good track record of doing what they say they're going to do. So I appreciate that, you know, at least both of them put out 
semi-decent human beings to be their their VP candidates. But I want to just talk personally about, I think, a disappointment that I have, and that is in the major evangelical public figures vouching for Donald Trump's character. Yeah. And they have been made to look the fool in yeah, these most sure. recent allegations, which is ironic and pathetic, which just tells us that we need to be really, really careful in how we advocate for people because right. Donald Trump is worse than Bill Clinton. And these same people mm. derided Bill Clinton up and down for his moral flaws. And now they're justifying even worse moral flaws in Donald Trump. Let's be yeah. honest. At least Bill Clinton didn't divorce Hillary. Yeah. At least he had one wife. I mean, there's a whole lot of at least with Bill Clinton that Donald Trump has surpassed him in moral, we'll say, ineptitude. And so I, I, I'm personally frustrated that evangelical leaders are going out on a limb advocating for people, advocating for their character, trying to convince us that their faith is genuinely real. And uh, I mean, you know, and to fine to Donald Trump's credit, it was, it was 11 years ago. Okay. Yep. That's fine. But you know what? History and his personal, we'll just say handling his, of this has, has not shown his, us anything different. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Has his character demonstrated a change from 11 years ago? No, the way he talks about women's bodies, the way he can just drop. I mean, I may not like Rosie O'Donnell at all, but like, I mean, the way you drop her name and speak of her in a, in a, in a debate, like right. the first, it was just, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you exactly. even thinking about? And then Hillary is just like, this is amazing. Can you believe it? Well, I mean, yeah. I'd be, if I was running for president against him, I'd be like, this is stupendous. Like, well, what yeah, is, he what's himself, happening? you know? So let's, let's maybe get to some practical, some practical things. I, I am in a moral quandary with the rest of, we'll say, thinking America. And um, so I'll, I just put some thoughts on, I'll say them, Tim, you can you know throw your thoughts out. But All right. I think really this comes down to what each individual's conscience allows them to do. Okay. Because no matter which way you go, whether you vote for Hillary, Donald, or a third party, mm -hmm. there's a violation of conscience somewhere. And this is where I don't even have a script for most people, okay? So I'll put out some of these conscience violations that everybody, no matter who you vote for, you're just going to have to deal with. So can I vote for someone with the moral character and confusion to support the ongoing genocide of babies in the womb, also called abortion? Okay. So in that case, you're talking about what is the party's platform? And yeah, and her personal convictions yeah, and, to yep. fight for that. And the person, not only the party's convictions and mm -hmm. the party's platform, but the individual, you know, what have they said about abortion? Do right. they support it or do they resist it? Do they say that they would do the, everything they can to overturn that? Mm -hmm. Well, one of my issues with this is not only is it genocide, it's also their worldview plays into how they view older people, right? Yeah, exactly. I get, let me be clear, I get why older people are scared to death of Hillary Clinton because they understand that if not their generation, the next euthanasia, yep. like what's happening in Europe, is that's on the, the brink. That's and the next step to abortion. They're smart. And so the same worldview that permits that kind kind of genocide is also going to facilitate and permit euthanasia and That's other right. kinds of, we'll just say genocide. You may not like the words, but when you have, when you sanction the mass murder of millions of people every single year, that's an issue. Right. So, Whether they're born or unborn, right. it's the same issue. Yeah. And now I got to give, I got to give her and every other Democrat credit. Okay. Because they're not thinking like that. No, like, they're not. They're not thinking that way. Blinds them from seeing the natural implication of what they're permitting by using the word choice. Now yep. that said, can I personally vote for somebody who is an egomaniac and lacks clear moral character in 
almost any part of his life, and you honestly don't even know what you can believe, who is a womanizer, who is condescending, who is inappropriate. Do I want this person having their hand on the nuclear button? Um, do I want them rubbing shoulders with Russia and China and North Korea and Iran and Syria? Like, Do I want this person on the front lines of negotiating with crazy people mm-hmm. around the world, right? And, and it's like, I, I get this. This really... <laughs> it, it, it concerns. And, this could and, lead to a big war. That's right. not an understatement. And with Am I excited both, about this or something? Oh, you are. Wow. I'm, that caffeine really I, I like that. jacked me up right now. Well, the thing that I'm concerned about in that response is, can I vote for someone who is an egomaniac? Right. I, I think we got two candidates that are egomaniacs. Yep. I think they we've got two candidates that have demonstrated that they love to be the person in the seat of power. Yep. And they, they it, it comes out differently in how they speak, but both of them like to be in the position of power and yep. make the decision. It makes me nervous. And and again, a good leader likes to be in, in the position of, of leading. Mm. But to a point, where is... You lead to serve, not to control. That's, that's where that's, I was going. Where yeah. is it that you're leading to serve your constituents? The people that you are yeah. supposed to be leading, are you leading them by serving them? Or are you leading them to dictate over them mm. or to overpower them? You're fired. And I see both of them. <laughs> yeah. Both candidates yep. love that. You know, if you vote for Hillary... There's going to be some semblance of a conscience that you're going to have to violate. If you're going to vote for Trump, there's going to be some semblance of a conscience you're going to have to violate. I would say this on a third level is knowing the ridiculous role and power of the Supreme Court in our nation to solidify and sanction cultural movements. Can your conscience overlook the upcoming Supreme Court nominations that are inevitable for the next president of the United States. What is it? Two appointees are are slotted for this next four years? Well, one, because uh, Scalia, it needs to be replaced. And then a second one. I mean, let's be honest, one or two of them are are not going to make it to the next four years. And if they do, it'll be a surprise. And you're likely going to be appointing this person is going possibly three, three or four. So like knowing that we are on the front lines of a cultural revolution is the risk of Donald Trump worth the risk of Hillary nominating and pushing forward the liberal cultural agenda machine even further? I mean, that's that's a huge question. And this is where I think the thinking Republican has to say, if you're going to vote for Donald, it's about the Supreme Court. And the thinking Democrat um, has to be able to say... If I vote for her, um, I am pushing our country, I say Christian Democrat, down a cultural trajectory that is almost impossible to reverse. And every time the nation sanctions sin as law, the people give themselves headfirst into it. This is the story of Israel. It is throughout all of scripture. When the nation sanctions it, the people permit it. And it becomes a sinful thing that the nation indulges in. And that's just the reality. I mean, the thinking Christian Democrat and the thinking Christian Republican both have to ask these really difficult issues. Um, Can I personally vote for someone who has been surrounded with as much corruption as Hillary, as much misogyny and womanistic, just uh, uh, terribleness with as Donald. Yeah. Here's a question. Is it okay to vote for a third party candidate knowing that that functionally makes your vote worthless? In the setup I have many right thoughts now, on that. Yeah. Well, here, here's the question. So like for me, if I'm going to take that route, I'm making a decision saying, 
I can't control what happens with the nation. I can just control what I do with my one singular vote. Because with my one singular vote, I will stand before Jesus Christ accountable for it. Is it a matter of two lesser evils or is it a matter of a third party that actually upholds, we'll say, my vision and value for our nation? Which at the end of the day, which is what we're trying to vote for is Mm -hmm. who most closely achieves our vision and value. But if you do vote for that third party candidate, there's also a moral issue that you need to deal with, which is this is a non-vote. It is a non-vote. And that's where I was going to say, that's my thought is if you vote for a third party. And again, the person that is on that third party, they have such a small following right now. They have not even been allowed to come to the, to the debates. Yep. So voting for the third party, whoever that might be, I would argue is a non-vote. You're not voting for any of the two that have the potential to make a major Mm -hmm. directional change to our country. And I would even go further as saying it's not just a non-vote. It is a um, pro-vote for the person that most opposes the third party candidate. That's correct. Because for every vote not voted is another vote that the other person has an advantage over. So every non-vote is actually a vote. A a vote. It is a vote. It's creating a larger chasm between the two main candidates. And therein is the illusion. It's like, okay, if I close my eyes and pull the trigger, is it really murder? You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's one thing leads to the next. You know, I pulled the trigger. Oh, it was the, it was the bullet it did. No, you pulled the trigger. You pulled the trigger. And the implication of that was a bullet coming out. Yep. And you may not have done the deed directly, but you pulled the trigger that created the probability of that happening. Exactly. And so that's what somebody has to understand about third-party votes is they're only creating a wider chasm between yep. the two main candidates. So I, I don't want to let anybody off morally, to be honest. Uh, I, I, and I I'm don't want to let the person who's going to vote third-party because that feels like a moral whatever. By voting third-party, which depending on which one you vote for, mm-hmm. you are going to be creating a larger gap. That, that's exactly five right. Five to 10 or 15 or 20% of America yep. votes third-party that is a huge gap between these two major opponents. So I'm going to hold the person who votes third party morally responsible. They're just as responsible for who ends up there. Let's land big picture because we're ranting and people are like, for real? Okay. Land this plane. All right. Even though we live in a world where we vote. Right. It is clear in scripture that nations, boundaries, authorities, and leaders are chosen by God. Yeah, that, that's exactly what Romans 13 says. Yes. Let me let me read that. Please. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. There's a key. No authority is there except from God. Yep. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And he goes on to talk about the governing authorities are there because God has put them there. And often, this is my fear, and this Mm -hmm. is what I've seen in my time, adulthood, of voting for presidents and those that either made it into the presidency or didn't make it into the presidency as a follower of Christ. I have been given a responsibility and a role to speak and to act upon what I feel Mm -hmm. is the best candidate. Now, I didn't say the perfect candidate. And so to say it's I'm voting for the lesser two evils, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't go there. I yeah. think I've got to vote, which is the better of the two for where I want to see or where I think God would want our country to be headed. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to say the lesser of two evils. <laughs> <laughs> but I think our big picture, though, is that on one level— God is going to bring into leadership over America whom he wants. Right. Now, 
the temptation for the Christian would be fatalism or determinism yeah. to just say, well, why do anything? The line between God's will and our responsibility and decisions is a, is a mystery of which yes. we will not solve now. Here's what I can tell you. God's will will be done and mm-hmm. you and I have an impact on the future. And those two things have to be held in, in tension. beautiful, mysterious tension, yep. right? He is in control. And that's not a cliche that we say. So, I, but I have to be responsible to before be responsible. God and my conscience for what I'm going to mark on that piece of paper. Because this this could, I mean, likely whoever gets in office is going to drastically change the face of America mm-hmm. and the cultural trajectory we're on. And it's going to fast forward. We've seen what's happened in two years, yep. and it's just going to fly even faster. So. People want to know. There are other questions that have come up, and we've killed this one to death. Um, I don't want to take too much time talking about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. When and why should Christians vote for a particular political candidate? I think we've semi-addressed that. I I think it's episode either 100 or 200. We talk about voting. There's a few voting ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Which candidates should a traditionally conservative Christian support in the upcoming election I think historically that would have been an easier question to answer, but right now I'm not sure that I've got a great answer for you. And I'm going to come back to one of the worst things you can do is violate your conscience. Yep. My hope is that your conscience is aligned with the word of God, but the conscience is a very special God ordained experience. It's Mm -hmm. not the Holy spirit. It is a powerful guiding force in our life. And when it is severed, bad things start to happen. Sure. So we have to pay very close attention to where our conscience line is in this. This will probably be the first election where I feel the least judgy about who people vote for. Mm. Although I do have strong personal opinions of which I have gone hyper out of my way to publicly criticize both parties (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yes, we have on this Uh, podcast. So personally, privately, I'm actually not talking about it with almost anybody except for my wife. Right. And uh, And, and I'm I'm wrestling through. I barely even talked about it with them. And that's where I land. Uh, This this who to vote for only with family members and very close Mm. friends. And I'm just saying from my end, when it's all done, I'll talk about it. Yeah. But beforehand, I do understand that sometimes my position can enable people to do things that might push them over the yeah, edge in we one don't way or another. People need to use their brains. Yep. They need to go before the Lord. They need to examine their own conscience. They need to see where their limits are. You know, there's always another option, which is don't vote. But that Man, again, I just, I struggle with that. I struggle with a non-vote. A vote. So I think we should be done with Trump questions until after the election. And then we can kind of watch how this, you know, how it plays pans out. out. So I want to invite you to turn them in. And then after the election, we'll just have some good old fun, you know, discussions. And if some other crazy news comes up, then we'll address it at that point. I do think that this is coming out toward the end of October. That should be, yeah, it should just be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Great discussion. (laughs) Go Cubs. Listeners, come back next time when we answer the question, help, I'm struggling with pornography. Which really isn't a question. Not a question, but but implicit. Yeah. A plea. Help me. That's the question. Would you help me? Would you help me? There we go.